This is the SB Live Washington Podcast, your twice-weekly conversation about high school sports across the state of Washington and the people who play them. I'm Andy Bueller, your host and a reporter with SB Live. We got a jam-packed late-week episode uh, today for you. We're going to preview some of the top games in week four, make pick'ems, break down the matchups. Later on, I'm joined by Yelm standouts, Kyler Ronquillo and Braden Platt. They started as water boys and ball boys in elementary school with the Yelm Tornadoes program, and now they're leading a program resurgence and are both rising Division I recruits along the way. So stick around for that conversation. I'm really excited to share that with you guys. But right now, I'm joined by the prodigal son of Tacoma, the second son of Ocean Shores, Washington. <laughs> he's a senior reporter with SB Live, and he's your pal and mine. Todd Millis, what's the world looking like this week? Boy, I'm gonna come back at you one of these days. I'm gonna I'm gonna start naming every every city and city and province that, that, have, that yeah. you're the mayor of, or the chancellor of, or the prodigal son of. Man, Ocean Shores, man, I'm there four times a year, but I'm no. the, suddenly the second son. I could probably run for mayor of Ocean Shores and win in a landslide. Yes, but yes. Not the second son of Ocean Shores, but so the first, the first son. If you're mayor status, man, you got you got to claim Ocean Shores, man. Come, come get your beach town. So the median age at Ocean Shores, Andy, is about you know his retirement age. So maybe if I retire and kick back and see how how well Scorebook Live, as our company expands, how well it is the the you know the you know the kingdom that it becomes. Uh, when I'm 65, I can maybe run for mayor and invite you down to City Hall. There we go. Well, I, I, uh, I'll hold my breath. So we are reporters covering high school sports across the state of Washington, as Todd said, for SB Live. Uh, you can find our work at scorebooklive.com slash Washington. That's your home for high school sports news and information across this state, as well as the SB Live sports app. You can download it for free wherever you get apps. Uh, it's where I find Live scores uh, constantly updated on Thursday, Fridays, and Saturdays throughout the football season and going forward, not just with football, across all sports, as well as this podcast, as well as the rest of our work here uh, at SP Live. But Todd, let's let's just jump into it because we have, you know, we're coming off a really strong week three. Uh, if you want to listen to our week three podcast, head back in the feed. Uh, we dissect five top storylines, what we saw and what we learned. Uh, but this week we've got uh, a lot of action here starting on Thursday. Uh, I'm just going to jump into it, Todd. We've got you know, number one overall team uh, in 4A and all classifications. Graham Kapausen has uh, uh, swept its first three games, not allowed a single point to date. Uh they get their first test of the season, hosting Pialup uh, of the 4A SPSL. Uh, Todd, as SB Live uh, in our in our uh, Week Four preview, we predicted a GK 34-17 win. Why do you see GK pulling away at home? And uh, is there a chance that Pialup makes it a tighter game than that? Oh yeah, I think there's a chance. I mean, talent wise, these two these two rosters are are, are relatively comparable. You know the the spotlights on GK. You know they've they've sort of kind of gone about their business the first three weeks, kind of out of, you know away from everybody's uh, eyes. You know took care of business, didn't give up a point. And you know you talk to Eric Curley about, hey, how's it been? How's it been going? He he says, you know we played a lot of players. That a that's that's one thing they they wanted to develop the depth. That was a that was a key early season goal. Um, they haven't gotten anybody hurt. That was another goal. 
and, and they've just they've just taken care of business. And, and if you you know, I if I guess if just kind of reading between the lines and talking to Eric, I said, well, you know, if if you had if he had to sign a grade the first three weeks, I think he'd probably give him a B minus. He's seen some things that this team, you know, needs to shore up. Uh, Josh Wood, who's the fantastic senior quarterback, uh, the the reigning Northwest Nine champion in the 2022 class. Uh, has been okay. Uh, he's, he's missed on some deep balls to, to, to Julian Mason. I, I think, um, you know, I think Eric would like to see that kind of come around, but I, again, when, when a, when a good opponent comes into your stadium on a Thursday night, when people are watching and there's not a lot going on, I, I bet you that sort of, that stuff sort of takes care of itself. I think GK is going to explode. I think their offense is going to really, really, take it to another level this week against a really a pretty good defense that, that defensive line at Puyallup was was really good last week against Sumner led by David Gooley we know the Oregon commit trying try to get David uh, on this podcast by the way so that's that I'm, I'm not going to make a promise but uh odds are I'm, I'm hoping I can get him on at some point so come on big day we'd love to have you we'd love we to have love you. to love but to they, but, but their secondary it's an interesting matchup with 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 their secondary um you know, uh, we, we've talked a little bit about um, some of the really good players that they've had on offense. Um, but, you know, J- Jordan Dwyer is a really good defensive back, Andy, um, at corner. They've got Zion Jones. And then the guy that's really kind of come on in his first year in regular playing time is Wyatt Gordon at that at that safety spot. He, he, he You know, he's been playing a little free safety, but he, he's a big-time tackler, big-time playmaker. So those three guys – uh, are pretty formidable in that secondary. Um, so that back end is is pretty good. It'll be it'll test that passing game with Josh Wood. We mentioned Julian Mason. Um, so, uh, but I, I just think that you know I just think that they they have too much in the run game. Uh, Josh Wood will make some plays with his with his with his feet. They're at home. I, I see this. I see GK pulling away. Michael Balzarini is going to have to play a, a near perfect game that for Piaf to keep pace. Uh, with their good passing game, um, but I do see GK um, pulling away late. Number nine, Pialup at Graham Kapowson. That's at 4 p.m. Thursday at Art Crate Stadium. Uh, Pialup coming off that loss to number four, Sumner. That's the early game on Thursday, and there's two more that that folks around the state should really be paying attention to. And let's let's go before we go to the the late game at Art Crate real quick. I want to touch on uh, Union traveling uh, to the Tri Cities to play Chiawana. Uh, Union is coming off of a you know a, a, a breeze of a win over Heritage, I believe it was. Um, they they uh, obviously had that week one loss against Three uh, A O'Day. Uh, Bounced back by you know, flattening a, a good Mountain View team. Uh, of course, along the way, Union's quarterback, uh, the starter, first-time starter is a junior, Dom Coletto, goes down. It looks like he's out for the season with uh, a broken arm. Mitch Radigan, sophomore, steps up, and we didn't really see much out of him uh, these last couple weeks. Uh, I think Union was was limiting what it was showing. Uh, I, I don't think we've seen uh, everything out of the offensive playbook of, of uh, Coach Rory Rosenbach. Uh, and, and I think we're going to see a, a union team that goes to, uh, you know, Tri-Cities and 
remembers when Chiawana came to Vancouver two years ago to McKenzie Stadium and and beat him in a game that Union, to be frank, should have won. Union turned the ball over a couple times in a costly manner. Uh, both of these teams uh, have weapons going forward. J.P. Zamora rebounded off of a loss to Kamiakin with a, a really strong performance last week against Hermiston. He's got uh, you know skill guys that are still looking to break out. Marco Elizondo, a Pasco transfer, was really impressive against Kamiakin, and uh, he'll continue to kind of look for those guys. So I, I expect a shootout in that game, to be honest, Todd. I, I like Union barely edging Chiawana, but this is kind of a prove-it game for the Riverhawks, too. I uh, don't think it's going to be a shootout, Andy. I think if Chiawana can stop that run game and make you know a, a relatively new starter have to pass, uh, this is still a really good defensive team. I know Kamaya can kind of steamroll them. It seems right now Kamaya can, can pretty much steamroll anybody. But if Chiawana can stop that run, and that's a big if, and, and make a, a pretty much a new starter have to beat him. I, I like Chiawana in a low-scoring game. Well, what we've seen out of Union, too, is you know in week one against O'Day, Tobias Merriweather you know, bailed the Titans out on offense when things weren't, weren't really moving. Um, he had a, you know, a, a 70-ish yard uh, run off a screen pass and then a, a reverse uh, to, to bring him within uh, a score late. And in week two, it was Jaden Jones, the running back. Juice box is what they call him. He had went for over 200 yards rushing. So, you know, do, do they find a little bit more balance this week? Uh, or, or is it something where, you know, like you said, um, is, is this going to be more of a grinder game that's controlled by each defense? That's uh, the second game on Thursday. We'll move right along to the late game at Art Crate. Lincoln at Spanaway Lake, man. How, how excited do you think are the Abes to play this game after getting throttled by Sway in the spring? Yeah, I mean that was that was Jabari Johnson's first start. Uh, got off to a rough start. That's all Spanaway Lake needed was that first quarter cushion to to post the one. I don't see honestly, Andy, uh, and I know you picked Lincoln, uh, or sorry, you picked Sway in a close game. I don't, I don't think it's going to be close. To be honest with you, I think it's going to be a repeat of what happened last year. I was really impressed with what Spanaway Lake did in Week One against uh, Silas uh, Dempsey James. Uh, Josiah Wagoner, uh, Kiki McQueen. I think this team is playing with so much confidence right now on both sides of the ball. And let's face it, Lincoln's got some answers. They've got some. They've got some real question marks. They need to find some answers for that defense. And I don't. I don't see that defense stopping any of those guys. I think Spanaway Lake's going to win by at least two touchdowns. You heard it here first. Uh, I expect a, a closer game than that. I think what we, with what we've seen, uh, I think Spanaway Lake's got its hands full with uh, you know some really really good skill guys and and the the rise and you know Jabari Johnson's ability to just to just kind of we're, we're seeing a guy uh, you know go from caterpillar to butterfly here a little bit in in the last couple weeks. So. Um, really looking forward to that one. I was also looking forward to on Friday a uh, 1B showdown between number three Lummy and number eight Nia Bay. That game has been canceled. Nia Bay is still on a, a COVID uh, pause. It was preemptive. Uh, the Macaw Tribe is still locked down with the rise of the Delta variant. Uh, so shout out. A uh, head coach, Kane Bachelor, there said that the Macaw Tribe is still yet to see a death uh, in its community throughout this pandemic. So it's kind of been one step ahead of the state, which means uh, from a football standpoint, uh, it's it's a little bit of a bumpy scheduling ride, but they'll be back next week against Darrington. Uh, well, great 1A game on Friday. Number six, Zilla, goes at number four, Connell. That's a crossover SCAC game. Uh, 
the SEAC, Todd, is, is is maybe as good as it has been in recent years. Uh, you know, Zilla, second-year coach Ryan Watson, is a defensive-minded guy, but he's kind of changed the offense into a power spread around four-year starting quarterback Clay Delp. Uh, running back, linebacker Braden Flood has, you know, great, great instincts. Watson really likes him. As he says he's the best linebacker he's ever coached. And so how will that depth and size up front fare against Connell, uh, who, you know, with Carson Reiner as a capable running back uh, and, you know, a sophomore quarterback, Maddox Martinez, um, you know, the slow train of, of Connell, you know, who wins in the trenches? Uh, I, I, I genuinely, this game is a toss-up to me. I, I think this is... Uh, will tell us as much about that league and about, uh, you know, the strength and, and kind of who, uh, how the top of that league stacks up uh, as any game we've seen so far this week. Yeah, I think if it's a low-scoring game, I think Connell wins. I think if uh, Zilla can speed it up and score somewhere 28, 35 points, I think they win. And I think you're right, Danny. I think it's a pick em game. Uh, and, and with Toppenish waiting in the wings for, for both teams, you're right. This is This league – with those three, with those three teams, um, it has been as good as it's been in a while. No question. Uh, another great one A matchup on Friday that I will be at Eatonville, number two Eatonville at number eight LeCenter at two and one. LeCenter is coming off a tough home loss to Kalama, uh, the number one two B team last week, and uh, talking to head coach John Lambert. Uh, that's exactly the test that they needed, he feels, coming into this week against a tougher opponent in Eatonville who just has size that 1A teams don't have, Todd. Uh, you know this. Uh, not only do they have size in the trenches, they have the ability to do a lot of things on offense, and you've seen that with uh, you know 40-plus point blowouts here in the first three weeks of the season. Eatonville faces its first test uh, here against LeCenter. Uh, can LeCenter, uh, you know, basically keep this offense off the field uh that's going to be the big test and how do you neutralize um all of those weapons uh you know all over the field i i think you know eatonville escapes this one my my score line was 33 21 i think this is a really tough task ahead of LeCenter, but this is going to be a prove it game lacenter's got a really talented quarterback in darren cepeda sb lives uh washington uh, you know wafed athlete of the week this past week Great, great dual threat guy. And Gavin Kralik, head coach of Edenville, says, you know, he's he's very – it's going to be tough to keep him in check. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it all starts with that offensive line and that it's hard to get into the backfield with those guys. Um, uh, so, yeah, that's the that's the big challenge for, for the centers on defense is how do you get pressure? How do you get negative plays to put them in, in, in down and distance, in negative down and distance plays to get that offense off the field? Now, you know, it's funny because I've, I've kind of talked to some, some coaches over the last few weeks ago, you know, looking at Eatonville in the summer or looking at Eatonville in its first two, you know, first few games. If you had to nitpick, where, where do you kind of find maybe a slight hole or, an, a, you know, uh, an Achilles, you know, uh, a vulnerability? And I, each coach has said it's, it's the run defense, that you can run the football in Eatonville's defense. And so – because they don't play a lot of those big guys on offense on defense. So it'll be interesting to see what Gavin Kralik does as they get into an, a more important stretches of their schedule. Will they play a few more of those beastly linemen both ways? Um, I think, you know, Gavin's been at this for a long, long time. Um, it very well could happen. Um, but it will be interesting to see a good run um, offense, what, what Eatonville, um, what that matchup looks like if there's some some truth to that 
Um, so far, nobody's really had an answer for Eatonville, and maybe they won't. But um, that's sort of that's sort of the vulnerability that coaches have privately told me about Eatonville. Speaking of running offenses, a very very good one at the three A level. Marysville Pilchuck plays at Glacier Peak. Uh, MP's first big test of the season. Dylan Carson, uh, senior running back, three-year starter, an All-State uh, preseason guy, is putting up video game numbers so far this season. Um, but how does that fare against the Glacier Peak uh, team that uh, you know offensively can also do a lot? River Lean has been fantastic at quarterback. Uh, Trey Lechner is is electrifying this season. Uh, and there's plenty of more weapons up and down uh, the Glacier Peak roster. Todd, I, I see Glacier Peak winning this one by at least a couple touchdowns. Who you got? Yeah, I think Glacier Peak wins too. I think it's going to be a lot closer than what the spring score was. You know, uh, this is this is Marysville Pochuk's year. They're all seniors. They, they've got um, a, a few good running backs, but it's all kind of predicated on on Dylan and, and, and the things he can set up as an inside runner. I just think Glacier Peak has um, more versatility, more balance. It, it's not just the Ryan Black show anymore, Andy, like it was right. last spring where you just hand it off to him 40 times a game. They have a, you know, Trey Lechner's a really good running back, uh, an all-purpose back. He can catch it. He can run it. Um, they've got five receivers. You know, uh, the, the the Jensen kid didn't even play last week against Woodenville in a, in a, in a, in a win that I think – a lot of people just sort of they're they just sort of looked at it and went, wow, you know, maybe is Glacier Peak kind of taking it to the next level, which, you know, I think I think they have. I think they're really good and it sets up for a really good future clash. Again, we've been saying this for years and years and years with Lake Stevens. Is this the year that Glacier Peak ends Lake Stevens long for a Wesco winning streak? Well, the Wesco, the 4A Wesco is shaping up to be really strong up top. Uh, and so, you know, I think that, you know, with what we saw, I was one of those guys watching that Woodenville game uh, kind of with my jaw on the floor uh, last week, Todd. So at the 4A level, Mount Sai goes and travels to Kinko opponent Skyline. Skyline's Beck Walker is on a tear, more than 200 uh, all-purpose yards uh, the last couple weeks in each game. He's doing it on both ends. And Mount Sai is coming off an absurd, <laughs> absurd win over Post Falls. Uh, Todd, who you got in this one? I think Mount Sai wins. I, 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 like, I like the track record. Uh, I think Skyline still, ha- still has a ways to get there, especially on defense. Um, big win, like you said, in Moses Lake last week for Mount Sai. It's been kind of an up and down three games for Avery Walker. I'm interested to see when he starts feeling a little more comfortable behind center, replacing, you know, Millen. Um, you know, but he was fantastic in overtime, and, and he was, you know, when the, when the game was on the line, he showed up and made two really good passes to win the football win the football game. So maybe this kind of sparks him in the right direction to with a little more confidence and a little more consistency. But right now he's sort of been up and down. So is Mount Sai, but big win by the Wildcats last week. I like him this week as well. Seattle Prep uh, made a little bit of history last spring and certainly made waves across the state when it beat Eastside Catholic. Um, they face him again. This time the roles are reversed. Seattle Prep's the higher ranked team, uh, very high in our top 10 rankings at the 3A level. Uh, SB Live prediction on the preview this week had Prep 21-17. Uh, Todd, what do you see in this one? I'm actually picking the home team, Andy. Dallas Daily. Wow. Shaking it up. The Crusaders coming off a, a, a drubbing at Valor Christian uh, with the week of prep. Dallas Daily really has Seattle Prep's attention on both sides of the football. Um, they think he's their best player. He's their best weapon. Um, 
I, I just think with Eastside Catholic having a week off, having two weeks to, to prepare, they get their guys back from the COVID pause, uh, who hadn't had a lot of practice before they went to the Valor, they, they, before they went to Colorado to play Valor Christian. I just, I just, I, it's weird because Eastside Catholic was so good in 2019. And then last year, it was just such a fluky year. It just, I think they're closer to being what we know Eastside Catholic to be. I think they win. Um, I think they, uh, you know, no, no back-to-back uh, historic wins by, by the Panthers this week. Well, and Prep's defense has uh, got a big task in front of them with, with Daly. And, and this, this is, will be a statement game for, for Prep defensively. Had a tough time uh, slowing, you know, and Mount Baker played a really hard game against them last week. And, and Prep, you know, didn't look like the number three team in, in 3A, to be honest. Um, so we'll be looking at that one. A prove-it game, early Metro League action. We got four more games, Todd. I'm going to run through uh, real quickly before we get to our interviews. Camus, 0-3 to start the year against Oregon Powers. Uh, hey, guess what? It's got another Oregon Power at West Lynn, the number three team in 6A in SB Live Oregon's media poll with good wins now over number eight Jesuit, number seven Sunset. Uh, Camus, West Lynn, is this the week where Camus finally gets uh, its statement win so far this season? It's hung, it's hung tight with some of these Oregon schools, Todd. Uh, is, this the, is this the week it breaks through? No. They go to 0-4. Central Valley at Mount Spokane. CV is going to be playing at the Union Stadium. Uh, Mount Spokane, both teams are ranked in 3A and 4A. This is a really strong game against what's considered to be the big, you know, among the big three uh, at the top of the greater Spokane League. Uh, both of these offenses finding their legs a little bit in week three, Todd. SB Live prediction says Mount Spokane 24-20. Do you have any pushback? Yes, I think CV wins. I think that front seven's really starting to play a good football. Nick Saunders, Jordan Sands, I, I, that's going to be a really good matchup um, in the pass game, Mount Spokane's pass game. Um, yes, I know we like Bigfoot over there uh, uh, on the Mount Spokane side, uh, but I, I like CV. I like I like. I like uh, the Abshire backfield. I like that front seven. Uh, yeah, I don't think Nick Saunders is letting uh, is letting uh, Jordan Sands moss him in, in week four here. Uh, so if, if you miss Jordan Sands' great play, go check out SB Live's top ten plays of week three. Another great one in the GSL this week. On Saturday, our last two, Skyview at Coeur d'Alene. We saw Skyview uh, beat a Sunnyside team in a shootout uh, on Saturday of last week. Coeur d'Alene drove all the way across the state. And uh, won in overtime against North Creek, Todd. You were there. Uh, I've got Skyview in a close game here because I think this is a big, big prove-it game uh, for the Storm. Uh, It's a tough task on the road against a program with a lot of tradition. What do you see? It's tough. What I see is it's tough to go six hours same day and play a football game. Um, And Coraline proved that last week. They they probably should have lost that game in North Creek. Um, But but, uh, championship teams find a way, and they did in overtime. I too like Skyview to find its legs, you know, uh, maybe after a slow start, but I do think they beat Coeur d'Alene. We just mentioned him, the North Creek Jaguars uh, coming off uh, a loss to Coeur d'Alene where it played really, really well, put itself in position to win, goes and plays for a Kinko opponent and power Bothell. That's going to be at Popkini Stadium Saturday. Todd, who do you got? Hey, listen, little brother is, is, is growing up pretty fast. North Creek is. And, you know, Kennedy McGill, I, I, I said in the early week podcast, I think he's the best quarterback in 4A Kinko. Unfortunately, I don't think that's enough to beat Bothell. 
It might be enough to beat Woodenville later in the year, but I like the Cougars. We want to hear from you. If you guys have pickums, uh, there's a really neat function on on uh, Scorebook Live's uh, uh, scores and schedules site that allows you to vote for who you think is going to win uh, in all of these matchups. So hit us up, Andy Bueller. I'm at Andy Bueller on Twitter. He's at Many Hats Millis. SB Live WA across platforms. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, uh, I am joined by Yelms, Kyler Ronquillo, and Braden Platt. I want to take a moment to tell you about something really exciting for high school sports fans across the country. SB Live Sports has launched a free iPhone and Android app featuring the latest high school sports news here in Washington and across the country. With the SB Live Sports app, it's now even easier to follow your favorite team and tailor your experience to your interests. With real-time scores and news alerts, as well as video highlights, podcasts, photo galleries, rankings, game coverage, and much more, the app delivers on the content you want in one convenient place. The SB Live Sports app features exclusive content from on-the-ground reporters across the country, and it's the number one source for Washington high school sports fans with coverage from reporters Todd Millis, myself, Andy Bueller, as well as SB Live's preeminent basketball mind and recruiting expert Dan Dickow. The SB Live Sports app is available at no charge in the Apple App Store and Google Play Store. Download it today. All right, let's do this. I'm Andy Bueller. This is the SB Live Washington podcast, and I'm joined now by two athletes who three weeks into the prep football season have really made names for, you know, not just themselves, but for their program uh, as well. That's Yelm sophomore Braden Platt and uh, junior Kyler uh, Ronquillo. Kyler, did I pronounce your name right? Uh, no, it's Ronquillo. Ronquillo. Well, thank you for, uh, for the guide uh, for there. And uh, gents, how you guys doing? Doing good, doing good. Um, you guys are pretty good. You guys sit uh, sit here at three and zero. You know, you're coming off a win over Timberline and two two really strong wins uh, to start the season against Lincoln and, and Mount Sy. Um, what are expectations like at Yelm right now? You guys uh, are putting together, you know, in the early goings, a season that looks to be pretty special. The expectations are to win, win everything on the field, off the field, just to keep rolling. That's the standard now. Just keep the winning mentality every game. We'll come back to that later, but I, I want to rewind um, and start from the beginning because you guys have been around uh, this football program for a really long time. Um, you guys grew up together. You've known each other since what, third, fourth grade? Does that sound right? Yeah, something like that. Kyler, your dad and both of your head coach, uh, Jason Ronquillo, sent over uh, before the interview a, f- a picture of you guys uh, in Yelm Tornado's jerseys. How, how old are you guys? I'm holding it up right now. How old do you guys think you are in this photo? I want to say that was probably like fourth grade, fourth grade probably, maybe going into fifth. So you guys, you guys started, started young as ball boys then. Oh yeah, we were water boys, and then we were ball boys. We what ball boyed together every game. Yeah, what what was it like uh, growing up in the program? When did you uh, when did you kind of start being around the program, and and what do you remember? What are some of those early memories like? Uh, it was it was really nice because we kind of grew up around just older people and the team we were going to be joining, and so we already knew some people coming into our high school years, and it just made like I guess our connection way more better, and it was just. It was a good experience. I wasn't nervous going in my freshman year. I just felt super comfortable with everything. 
Uh, Braden, do you? I mean, do you feel the same way coming in now as a sophomore? Because you guys have made, uh, you know, made a, a real names for yourselves real early on in your prep careers. Yeah, I kind of feel the same way too. Because like growing up, not only was I like on the field as a ball boy, but my brothers, all three of them, like went through the, the program. So it's just been like cool to see them come through and see what they did. So you guys both are youngest siblings, right? Uh, I'm the middle child. You are okay. Okay, because I, I got to say, you know, based on the way you guys play, based on, uh, the, you know, the vibes I'm picking up from you guys, you got, you guys kind of have little brother energy. Like, I, I take it that your older <laughs> brothers who, who came through the program and are now looking at what you guys are doing right now, um, you know, they, they have to sit there and be pretty impressed. What, what's that been like just, you know, within your families, uh, you know, their, their perspective? Because for so long, you know, you, this is just, Yelm is on an upswing as a, you know, as a football program, thanks to, to what you guys are doing. Um, what's that dynamic been like at home? Uh, it's, been, it's been pretty cool because when they were coming through, Yelm was a lot different. Like they were kind of when Coach Q like came in, they were like starting to go into the program. So they started like the change of Yom and then now like we're just like pushing through it. Growing up around the program, um, you know, what are your memories about, uh, you know, just connecting with each other? Like did, how many of you guys uh, did grow up around the program and were, you know, around the team at a young, young age? I'd say like 90 percent of all the kids here grew up here. We all played together. Our chemistry is so good because I grew up playing on the same team as all my teammates, I've known them since like third and fourth grade. That's so unique to, to high school. And, and that, you know, part of what makes high school sports so great is the situation that you guys are in that you're just describing. And in today's age of high school, you know, there's a lot of guys that, that don't end up playing at the same high school, uh, you know, in the boundaries they grew up in. Uh, there's a lot of movement. I'm sure you guys have seen a lot of your peers kind of, you know, move around schools. Um, but, you know, there's something to be said about about that, about, you know, growing up and uh, with you know a crop of guys, uh, you, know, you know, growing up around a program, you guys obviously had unique access. But to be able to, you know, now be in a situation where you guys have been, you know, preparing for this for a really long time, um, how, like how do you reflect on on just what that means? Um, you know, versus maybe some other teams that that don't have what you guys have. Uh, I feel like it means a lot because not only did we grow up, but we also like made each other better and competed like since we were little and we always pushed each other to like as much as we can. And we still have that mentality throughout high school. We just push each other. Kyler, do you agree? Yeah, it's, it's such a competitive environment. It's everything it's supposed to be a competition. We all love each other at the end of the day, but everyone's trying to beat each other. I want to rewind a little bit, uh, Braden, but Coach Ronquillo said at a young age, he used to call you Big Baby. Do you remember that? Oh, uh, he used to, or he recently started calling me it more, but I, I don't even remember back then when he called me it. And what, what's the backstory there? Uh, yeah. Uh, Kyler was saying, like, I'm kind of baby-faced, like my face is, <laughs> but I'm still huge, so, yeah. Yeah, man, it's, you know, 6'2", 230, uh, you know, it's, were, were you always big growing up, too? Were you, like, the biggest guy in your class? Yeah. Always been on, like, the... At least the top side. So you've, uh, Braden, you've had a really great start to the season. Both of you have, but, um, you know, your numbers through three weeks, uh, you know, 438 rushing yards, seven touchdowns on offense uh, at running back, and then, 
you know, defensively, 15 tackles, three sacks, an interception, and I think you ran that one back for touchdown. Did you gravitate to one side of the ball at an early age? And, and how do you kind of compare and contrast, uh, you know, the different ways you play each position? Well, when I was younger, I always played running back. And then I would play both sides of the ball. But since I was so big, I would normally play like on the D line. And they just put me at like nose guard and I just go get the QB. But I started to develop like since I was getting faster than people too. I moved back to linebacker so I could play and like read and do all that stuff. But like now it's pretty equal. Like, or I think I like linebacker a little more. But it's still like really equal. What about you, Kyler? Um, you you play on both sides of the ball as well. You know, all th- all three aspects of the game as a return specialist, as a you know a cover corner, as a wideout. Um, was there a position that you gravitated toward at an early age, and and has that kind of you know what position you like to play changed at all? Well, when I was younger, I didn't play slot or DB. My my eighth grade year, I actually got moved to the receiver and the DB side, and I just they growing on me from here i love having the ball and i love defending the ball i just love being vers like uh, my versatility i like to be used in as many ways as possible you know one of the things that that is a requirement of playing as much as you guys do and playing just as many snaps as you guys do is just being in in tip-top shape and that never seems to be a problem for you guys um you know especially coming into the spring when you know, there was, you know, more than a year long shutdown that wiped out, you know, your fall junior or your fall uh, freshman and sophomore seasons. You know, you guys are kind of sitting on ice with, you know, COVID delays, cancellations. And, and finally, finally, suddenly you guys get a, a six game season in the spring. Um, and you guys came in and ran the table six and oh in a league of just, you know, you guys didn't play in your normal league. Um, what was that like uh, from from that standpoint, uh, just starting up? Because it, it didn't seem like, you know, you guys were unprepared to start the season. Throughout the shutdown, were, were you guys pretty focused? Yes, we were very focused, very determined, just praying that we get the chance that we got the chance to start up. And when the chance came along, we took it and we just tried to stay healthy, stay safe away from COVID and keep us going for as long as possible. Like we're so lucky that we got a season and we made the most out of it. How did you stay motivated through that? And who were kind of some of the leaders with your group? Um, what kinds of things were you guys doing throughout the shutdown? Cause you know, it, for so long, you not only could you not be in a football setting, like you couldn't really be coached by your coaches. You couldn't be, uh, you know, gather as a team and, and you know, especially all of you guys at once. What, what was that like and how did you weather it? Um, so, I know that the linemen, like, they all went together and worked out. And then, like, linebackers or running backs and, like, the skills would always work out together. Even if it was, like, at someone's house or, like, at the local gym, we would all work out together. And then we'd go run on the field. So, like, a bunch of seniors loved that. Like, Dylan jumped to guard. That just went to Cal. And then some of our other uh, seniors that graduated. So you guys run the table, like I said, 6-0 and in the spring. Um did you feel like there was a lot of momentum there from that spring season? And how were you able to kind of, you know, carry that into the fall? Cause it's, it's a weird off season. It's a short off season, but at the same time, it's still, you know, three, four months, uh, you know, being away from the, from, you know, being in pads. It really set the expectations high, set the standards high and we got to live up to them. Now we got to keep the streak keep the streak alive, keep rolling. When you guys kind of look at that ultimate goal, I know it's hard to focus on it in the moment. How much, how much pride would it bring you to, you know, to, to, to make a deep state run? 
It would uh, it would make a pretty deep statement because we've only done it like twice. We went, we won like two games in playoff, and that's like the most we've ever done. So it mean a lot to like the town, our families, like our brothers or my brothers that already went through the program. I know that'd make them like super proud that we're changing Elm for like the little future kids. Yeah, can you can you guys see uh, you know, a lot of the ball boys, water boys, and some of the young guys around the team, and just kind of. Does it ever hit you of like that used to be me and now you know now the roles are reversed? Yeah, we get to see them quite often. A bunch of the high schoolers are always going and attending like TCYFL games. Everyone has like little brothers in the program as well, so it's pretty connected to the older community and the younger community. So you guys do a really good job of that, and you know whether it's coaching or staying involved with the youth, it, it seems like you know, and, and that it seems like it starts from coach Coach Ronquillo that he he does a good job at kind of setting the tone and keeping everyone connected. But um, you know, whether it's a Saturday after a game, whether it's just you know over the weekend in an off season or whatnot, um, you know, you guys have pretty busy Friday nights playing football games, and from the media standpoint, we spend Friday nights, uh, you know. Covering you guys, staying staying up late, making sure our stories, photos, videos, everything are out. Um, and sometimes uh, I'll wake up on a Saturday morning and go, "Holy cow! You know, how did this player get from here to there?" And and I felt that same way last weekend when you guys, you know, finished your game against Timberline, and then the next day you're down in Eugene uh, at U of O uh, on on a you know they had given you guys tickets to come down there as a, a, a part of the recruiting process. First off. What was that like being down at Oregon, uh, being, you know, what was your access like and just that whole experience? And, and second, you know, what's your recruitment been like as you guys have started to kind of really show out uh, at the high school level? Being in uh, Oregon was super fun. It was a super unique experience and I just, I overall enjoyed it. I got to hang out with my friend and I got to go see a college. It was, I just loved it. It, it was, it was such a great experience and the Ducks caught the dub. So that was good. And I'd say through this high school experience, uh, through the high school season, this season in particular, my recruiting is definitely picking up a little bit. I didn't have anyone reach out to me my freshman year or my sophomore year, but I'm finally starting to get some calls and texts this year after my first three games. Montana's reached out, Nevada. I've talked to the Boise coach, and then I was down in Oregon this weekend. What about you, Brayden? Have you, have you seen uh, that recruitment tick up? I know at least, you know, in, in the 24-7 sports rankings, I think, Kyler, you're in there as a three-star, Brayden a four-star. I, you know, I take it those, if the offers aren't lining up already, they'll come at some point. Um, but what's your process been like through all this? Well, freshman year, I didn't really have, like, uh, any recruitment, uh, sort of say. But when I started, or after the FSP game, and we went on all, like, the trips – uh, around the U.S., like to all the SEC schools, uh, Texas schools, uh, I got to like show out and show how good I was. And uh, yeah. And then after we did all that, I came back to Washington and then I got my first offer to University of Washington. But yeah, keeping I've been keeping in contact with a few of the schools that we went and visited. Braden, what was that like this summer? Because you you went with you know those guys at, at Ford Sports Performance who who train you know a lot of athletes in the state and um, took a tour of like you said a, a lot of big schools. Uh, was that in the month of June? Was it? Uh, yeah, I think so. What what was that whole process like? Just going through that, um, experiencing that for the first time. Uh, the schools are like 
crazy. Like when you think of a gym, you don't think of that, but it's extremely nice and extremely like high class. Yeah. What What were you able to do? Um, like what did each visit entail? Were they similar? Were they different? Uh, were you able to kind of, you know, go through, you know, run through things and show coaches anything? Uh, yeah. I, not at every like visit that we went to, I was able to like do a camp, but at the ones that we did, it was either just like verticals and all that stuff, like combine testing, or we did linebacker drills and all of those things. You guys aren't just good football players. You know, you, you grew up playing every single sport under the sun, it sounds like together. Um, but you get here to high school, um, Brayden, you're, you're a really serious, uh, you know, very competitive javelin thrower. Um, you're a wrestler as well. Kyler, you're a wrestler as well. You run track with javelin though. You, you went actually and competed at a national level here this summer, uh, with the javelin. How, how seriously do you take that sport? And is that something that going forward, uh, you, you know, you want to continue to do? Uh, yeah. So I didn't really know like that much about javelin until this year. Um, until I started like throwing good and I was like, Oh, I could actually like do this. So I got with the coach and I did it for like three months, just training. And then I took a little break right now for football. But once football is over, over I think I'm going to start doing it again in winter and training for that. But maybe one day I can make it to the Olympics or at least the Olympic trials. To go through there. So that's that's pretty impressive. Uh, those are those are pretty big goals, and you, you say you're going to hit it in the winter. I know, you know, you're you're a wrestler as well. Uh, you know, your older brother Derek was a you know multi-time state championship wrestler at Yelm. Um, do you plan on giving up wrestling for track, or do you want to do both? Uh, I want to do both. What uh, what's the reasoning there, and how is it just balancing all that, and still having to kind of you know think about football too in the off season? Um, it's it's a little stressful, but you gotta push through it. You gotta time manage all your certain things that you have to do. Yeah, Kyler, how how do you approach all that? Because you know you're you're a great wrestler as well. You're you come from a wrestling family. Um, you know, how, what is it like balancing those two sports and is wrestling something you want to, um, you know, how long, how far do you want to take it? I'm actually done with wrestling for the rest of high school. Just football and track now. How, how did you, uh, how did you land on that decision? Um, last summer I started training for the decathlon and I did extremely well in that. And I also love track. It's super fun. Was that is that hard to have to kind of pick between you know sports you've played for a long long time? It honestly wasn't that hard. Like I did one year of track and I just sort of fell in love with it. I've always been in love with football too, though. So wrestling just kind of disappeared. You know, there's there's something about watching you guys play. Um, you know, you can tell three weeks into the fall here um, that it just seems like at Yelm you you guys play so freaking hard. Um, and you guys really set the set the intensity with your opponent. Uh, where where does that come from? And how are you guys as team leaders able to to set such a high standard? Uh, I feel like we get it from wanting to prove something, like to the media, to everyone else, because Yelm never really was on the map. So we want to make it out there 
and let the kids under us get noticed. Kyler, do you have anything? Do you have anything to add to that? Kind of summarizes it up. We we basically just want to prove everyone wrong. We want to put Yum on the map. I, I take it, uh, you know, you guys. Even if you do get there, and you know, we we have you guys at number six in our rankings right now, and I I, I could see a, a future where you guys just continue to climb, 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 climb in that three A picture. What would it mean to bring Yum to those heights? And and do you think that you'd ever lose that edge, that underdog edge? It would mean a lot. It mean a lot to the community, to the players, and honestly, don't know if they'll ever lose that edge. We always play like we're the underdog. Everyone from here is extremely hungry, ex extremely motivated, and we just love the game. We love the competitive environments. All right, I've been asking every guest uh, that we've had on this podcast. I asked uh, two guys from Richland last week. I asked Miles Mayofsky from Kennewick two weeks ago. Um, Braden, we'll start with you. Do you have a pregame ritual? Uh, not really. I mean, the day of, I just like try relaxing and saving all my energy for the game. And then when it's come time for the game, turn on some hype music, get pumped and then go out there. What, what are you listening to? I don't know. It depends on the game. Is there anything in there that would surprise people? Like, are you listening to smooth jazz or like, <laughs> like I don't before know. Before the game or like a while, like during the day, yeah, I'm listening to smooth jazz, like other stuff like that. Really? Just to calm the nerves? Yeah. All right. Hey, whatever works. Uh, Kyler, what about you? Pre-game uh, ritual? Pre-game ritual. I, after school, I go home, I eat a quesadilla, a cantaloupe, and then listen to music before the game of course mainly like Migos hype stuff and then right before the game I take vinegar, like vinegar shots just like cups of vinegar cups of vinegar Ex explain that to me uh, it stops the cramping I've, I've heard of pickle juice uh, that too I've done that before too uh, I learned that from an old player yeah Brandon Thompson but yeah I've just started doing that and it's actually helped a lot and so I do it before every game and I keep my pregame meal the same. I don't like feeling full. And also cantaloupes have potassium. There you go. Well, hey, Yelm Tornado sit at 3-0. and Braden, Platt, Kyler, Ronquillo, thank you guys so much uh, for joining me this week on the SB Live Washington podcast. Uh, really looking forward to, uh, to covering your guys' run through to the end of the season. Yep, thank you for having us. Thank you. podcast is brought to you by SB Live Sports, your national hub for high school sports news and information. Subscribe for free wherever you get podcasts. If you do it on Apple Podcasts, please leave us a rating and a review to help us best serve you, the listener. You can find our website at scorebooklive.com slash Washington. There you'll see news, features, highlights, podcasts, and everything in the world of high school sports across this state. As always, a big shout out to our sponsor, Washington Federal. Thanks to Dan Dickow and Todd Millis for bringing the heat every week. This song you're hearing is by the band Woodrow. It's called So Far Away. It's written by James Schroeder, Carl Johnson, and my dad, Matt Bueller. I'm Andy Bueller. We'll be back next week.